0: This is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, here today with Eric Brown. And I found out about Eric because he sent me an email with a picture that looked like it had come from National Geographic. It was a close-up of the face, like a portrait of a bobcat, (laughs) and I just thought, wow, I need to find out who this man is, and how he got to take a picture of a bobcat. So thank you for coming.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: i like to start with how how this all unfolded. How did you end up with three little baby bobcats?
1: Last summer, over here at Altamont Orchard, the maintenance crew was watching a mother bobcat come and go and starting to raise her kittens. One day, Mom stopped coming, and... After about two days of not seeing mom, the kittens were coming out and and looking for mom, and uh, they got concerned. They were like, hey, we should call somebody. And they did the proper thing. They called the local wildlife rehabilitator, and my friend Jean went over. She is local down here in Gilderland, and Mm -hmm. she went out, and she did an evaluation on them and deemed that they needed some intervention. So she made contact with another friend to help her capture them. They were captured and evaluated, and one had a minor eye issue, which went to the vet for that, and then they were deemed that they needed help because mom still hadn't been seen, and it had been about five days by then. So Gene's not really set up for long-term care, and when they came in, they were only approximately five to six weeks old. Their eyes were still blue. They were that young. Uh, So we are set up for long-term care. So she contacted me and said, hey, I got bobcats, you know, stop by and pick them up.
0: So how old were they at this point?
1: About six weeks or so.
0: And uh, did they seem to you like kittens, like domestic kittens? No, no, no.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, of, the th- of the three kittens, one had an eye issue. So for the first five days we had them, we had to hold them down and put eye drops in them. Yeah. He drew blood every time. <gasps> through a very expensive pair of Kevlar bite gloves that I have that come all the way up to the elbow and they're Kevlar lined. He still drew blood. So I was very happy at the end of five days when his eye got better.
0: So right from the beginning, they're wild.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And you have to treat them that way. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you are set up for long-term care. And if you could just tell me what what that means and how you as a person got into doing this.
1: Uh, well, our, the definition of long-term care for us is we have the room to have large enclosures.
0: Where uh, are you located? We're in
1: the town of Dwaynesburg. Oh yeah. So we're kind of out of suburbia.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, so we have the, the room to have larger enclosures so that they have room to grow room to run around and, and play and and practice hunting and things like that. So we're, my friend doesn't, she's, a little more inner suburbia and has a neighbors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she really can't have the large enclosures out in the yard, you know, without a lot of the neighbors going, what? Huh?
0: <laughs> and, so, and probably not in the zoning code either. Yeah. So how did you get involved in doing this in the first place? Just kind of back up and tell us a little about your own life. Where Where are you from originally? Where did you um,
1: grow up? Well, I'm originally from Florida. My wife is from this area, uh, and I inherited my grandparents' farm.
0: In Duanesburg. In
1: Duanesburg. Oh,
0: what a uh, nice inheritance.
1: Yeah, okay. We'll what, go. Kind, what
0: kind of a farm was it? Uh,
1: it was kind of a hobby farm. My grandfather bought it way back in the early 60s uh, at a tax auction from a cousin. And he retired there and lived out his days. And he enjoyed it. He was a, he was a quintessential farmer from the brown coveralls to wearing his union suit in July he he was a farmer through and through
0: and what was his name Leroy Leroy
1: yep so um
0: Leroy Brown yep wow there's (laughs) that's a famous name yep (laughs) but uh, and
1: and the the more that I do the animals the more I have respect for him and the work he that he could do because he was a very old man when I knew him well into his 70s and 80s he could outwork me you and this guy over here put together i mean and <laughs> on any given day so i, I have a lot of respect f- for him more and it grows every day so anyways we got into the rehab my wife got into it first she used to teach at the charter school over in schenectady Andrea, and
0: what is your wife's name linda. linda okay
1: so when linda lost her job when the charter school closed she was unemployed and kind of depressed and bored so it, and this is something she wanted to explore so she did and she started off kind of small, and we joined a, a group of other rehabilitators, which she did, because I was at work. and um,
0: What kind of work do you do? I'm a teamster. Oh.
1: So I drive a truck. Yes. But she was home, and so she got involved with it a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, so for the first couple of years, she kind of did it on her own, and I would help when I was home on the weekend. Then I lost my job, so now I was home. So I kind of took over, and it's just grown since then. And now, we, what
0: kind of training do you have to go through to
1: do that? Well, we are both state licensed. Uh, she, is a, she took her class to RVS, and we are also both RVS specialists.
0: What does that mean? That
1: means uh, RVS stands for rabies vector species, which means we can work with raccoons, skunks, and bats, although we do opt out of the bats. Uh, neither one of our eyesight is well enough to get the little worm in the little mouth. So, Mm -hmm. and their mouths are really small. So we opt away from the bats. Uh, but we are certified to work with that. Uh, raccoons and skunks, which is a, a big item for us. We do quite a few and she holds a federal bird license. Uh, we would both have one, but the federal government only issues one license per address.
0: She, oh, she, an, I wonder why that is. I don't
1: know, but she does the paperwork, so it's in her name. And we are also uh, federally licensed educators, which means that we take our birds out. And you might have seen us at the fair. We have some programs the coming up. The Fair? Yep. We've done that for about the last three years, four years. Uh, we have some events coming up, which I would like to plug later on.
0: Well, go ahead. Do it now.
1: Uh, well, no. Let me stay with what I'm...
0: Okay.
1: Uh, so... We were members with a larger group and became very active with it. Uh, Board members, she was sitting vice president. You know, we were very active in the whole thing. And it grew and grew. And we, our training was through that, plus through, we have a statewide group also that we belong to. And they have a um, conference once a year, which is three days of nothing but classes and lectures and all kinds of stuff like that so we would go to that every year and
0: this is all volunteer absolutely absolutely a lot of commitment for a volunteer Uh, yeah
1: absolutely uh and then in 2015 we kind of got tired of playing politics in the larger group so we struck out on our own we started outpost four um and it's grown quite well for about the four years it's been in existence i'm i'm pleased with the growth i do i wish it was bigger you know and and growing faster but i'm pleased with the growth uh i'm actually really pleased last year was the very first year we were self-sufficient which means i didn't have to dig too deep in my pocket to support it
0: so where does the support come from
1: uh we're all volunteers and we are a registered 501c3 charity absolutely absolutely what
0: is the name of the organization
1: outpost for wildlife rehabilitation services
0: so is it a numeral for yes outpost for wildlife rehabilitation services yep
1: and people always ask me how i came up with the name when we were part of the larger group we were the farthest southwest corner of their coverage area uh So you
0: felt like an outpost. We were an
1: outpost. And (laughs) I figured one sounded pretentious. Two, you're just a loser. Three, you're the other loser. (laughs) Nobody cares about number four, and I like anonymity.
0: And plus it works as uh, the word F-O-R. Yes. Because you're an outpost for this And that
1: never really came to mind. It was more, I like, you know, who finished fourth in any event that you've ever... You don't know.
0: No, there's nothing after the bronze medal. Yep. So,
1: and I like the anonymity, so I'm, we stuck with it. And I'm pretty pleased to say that, like you said, we were self-sufficient last year, barely, but we, we pulled it off. And we've grown to about 1,200 followers on Facebook. Oh, my. I figured we'd have about five, only because my dad, her parents... <laughs> our daughter. <laughs> that would be about it, you know, but we've grown to just over 1200 and I'm really happy with that. And that's great. That's probably the hardest thing of the whole thing that I've done is try to be the administrator on the Facebook page to keep it interesting, to keep it growing. So what do you put it... on
0: your Facebook page?
1: Oh, uh, like pictures we, of the animals. Oh, uh, we we try to do weekly updates with the animals that are in care. I try to pass along informational things, posters and whatnot that people share. I also try to give people an idea of just the sheer logistics of what we do. I mean, a lot of people don't quite get it. Yeah, I, mean, I think
0: you should give our listeners an idea of the logistics.
1: Well, tonight, when I go home to feed, yeah. I, I have 13 birds, 14 birds to feed, the three cats and a skunk.
0: <laughs> quite we're, a household yeah
1: we're we're looking at 25 30 mice maybe six rats three cans of cat food and whatever other meat i can find in the freezer
0: so where do you get for instance mice
1: oh, well mice up until just the end of last year we actually had a really good deal with a local um laboratory that produces rodents for
0: commercial Mm -hmm. sale Mm
1: -hmm. they were we had a gratis account where they would give their excess away their excess inventory they did away with that the biggest um, concern we have this year is keeping a rodent supply we're having to buy them
0: Oh, my goodness. So can't you get your Facebook followers when they catch uh, mice, or do they have to be fresh?
1: Oh, uh, They don't have to be fresh, and we do have people that, that catch them for us. I mean, we have people all the time, I have mice, I have mice. <laughs> okay, um, but the demand that I have, I mean, the, the three cats alone eat about five pounds a day. Oh, my. And that's a light day. I mean, they, they, if they're really hungry and really gorgian, they'll do eight or nine pounds each.
0: Well, tell us a little about a day in the life of a bobcat. So let's just pretend you're waking up in the morning. Do they eat in the morning?
1: Um, we generally feed in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, so they and, during and the
0: day they hang out in their what I, are their quarters like?
1: Well, they are in a twenty by thirty uh, kennel, basically with a roof on it, so they can't get out. What they do all day, I really don't know because... They
0: play with each other?
1: I, w- I would assume, but we have a very iso- uh, very strict isolation policy mm-hmm. because they are wildlife. We only spend 15 minutes a day maximum oh, with any of them. Because
0: you don't want them to get used to humans.
1: Exactly. We don't want to imprint it on them. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing down but, there. That
0: would be cool for your Facebook page to get one of those cameras that would yeah. just like... Record their activities But they
1: Then again There are also cats So I'm pretty sure They sleep over here yeah. And they sleep over there <laughs> yeah. uh, There there are some things That are just very inherent To cats
0: Yeah so, so You feed them mid-afternoon Is that what you said?
1: Generally when I get home I do chores When I get home And
0: what like You just toss the mice Into their pen? Uh, they'll or? get
1: uh, They'll get their rats Or roadkill Or whatever I'm taking out Of the freezer for them this year we were really fortunate because we had three cats that we had a, a really good supply of red meat for them. Uh, we got a clean five deer this year for them uh, that all came in from various places. I had other sportsmen bringing me trimmings and, and things oh. like that. Uh, so we kept them on a very good natural diet. We picked up a lot of roadkill. And, and things like that and they've actually they don't even like processed food i've tried a couple of times to fill the bowl with canned stuff and they kind of look at it and they're like no <laughs> where, where's the squirrel <laughs> so which is good because come sunday they're not going there's no more opportunity for canned food well, for them.
0: i wanted to ask about that because you say come sunday and just so people know that's their release date and yes is there any kind of Training you have to do to them to get them to be able to survive in the wild, or they'll well,
1: just well, well, we we do live hunt. What's pe- that? Periodically, um we put something in there that's not coming back. Uh, oh,
0: alive, like a rabbit, for instance. And uh, then...
1: Yeah, we we use a lot of chickens. So people, you know, roosters and whatnot. Uh, Rabbit would work, you know. So then they and, hunt and, down the... Yes, the, and, and we do that with any of the juvenile predators that we have come through. They have to... I have to know that they can fend for themselves. If an ad, Like an adult bird or an adult canine or something comes in, I know they can survive on their own. They made it to be an adult. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have to live hunt them, but I do live hunt the juveniles as they grow. I have to know that they can take care of themselves.
0: And I was reading up just to try to learn more about bobcats, and especially the females are very, very territorial. Yes. I mean, how do you know when you're dropping three? What are they male or female? Uh,
1: I believe two boys and a girl okay. from their size difference.
0: So when you drop them off, how you you would have it's, of course no way of knowing it's what ro- territory it's is. a roll of the
1: dice, and they're going to wander and find their own territory anyways. I see. And we have two. I have a primary place I'd like to drop off, but the landowner hasn't gotten back to me yet, and I have a backup. If there's an existing population there, they'll work it out. So
0: So. Sunday, wherever this is that you decide on, you have them like in a cage in your car? They will be. And so you drive to where it is, and you open the...
1: We we tote the crates out into the field. We and actually the original finder's supposed to come and let them out again. I oh. I offered that to him. Oh, how and nice! It's
0: the person from Altamont Orchards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, His, his name that...
1: is his name is Jim. He's the head of maintenance. I think he said he works on like the golf carts and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Uh, him and his girlfriend are going to come.
0: And they're going to open, literally yep. open the yep. gates. And let them free. And then they just, do they, how, have you, have you done this before? Oh, yeah. I mean, do they just rush out and they're gone? or do Pretty they much, yeah. Pretty
1: Don't blank, you'll miss it.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> and I, and I, we have done some public releases of birds uh, at some of our events and stuff. I always tell people, make sure the camera's on. Don't blink. There are no do-overs. They ain't coming back. Yeah. So, so
0: how does that make you feel? Do you like miss them or do you feel like, uh,
1: it's kind of a two-headed coin. It's bittersweet because on the one hand, I'm really happy that they're free. I'm really happy I don't have to go out there in 39 below zero wind chill and feed them. But on the other hand, I worry about them. Are they safe? Are they? are they finding food did they find a dry spot to sleep last night when it was raining you know and we've released hundreds and hundreds of animals I worry a lot about them but I have to believe that nature put enough instinct into them to do what they need to do yeah and I've seen some that were imprinted animals that have spent their whole lives with people there's a lot of instinct in there they they could take care of themselves. You know, they, they hunt. They The only thing is they want to be with people. We had a fisher a year. We placed him just about a year ago now, and he was every bit of fisher.
0: They're supposed to be vicious animals. Oh, yeah, they're
1: supposed to be. Uh, but he was found uh, by a teenage girl, and her mother did not do the right thing and called somebody – immediately to get him into proper care she let the young girl play with him and slept in her bed and played with the dog and ran around the house and it was what they call an imprint he wanted he sought human attention oh. and in every other sense of the word mel was fine I mean, he was about three and a half almost four feet long tip to tip he tipped out about 22 pounds uh big sharp teeth Very sharp claws. He was like a little bear running around in his cage. But he sought human attention. Now, when I... Because I feed every day, and I check on him every day. I would go to the cage. He would come right to me. And if it was only me then I could solve that. But I would have other people come that he did not know, strangers. He would run right over to the cage and stick a paw through, just like a used car salesman. Hi, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> Shake my hand. And and he would interact with people. And I couldn't in good conscience let him go because the wrong person wouldn't understand that he just wants to play. you know. But he could be vicious if he wanted to. He just chose not to you know the that not last winter was it last yeah last winter we had that really heavy wet snow mm. that's and his the roof of his enclosure started to buckle i had to go in and put some bracing in so his roof didn't collapse normally by then the the decision had been made he was going to permanent care he was and there was no way we could release him so we were starting to interact with him you know socialize with him and like that So normally I would play with him for a couple minutes and he'd be fine. I was ignoring him. Two coats and a pair of gloves, and he caught me right here on the wrist. And I'm pretty sure he could have separated my wrist if he wanted to because he bore down a little bit because I was ignoring him. And it hurt for about two weeks, and it was swole up pretty good. So, I mean, he could be vicious. He was healthy and, and all that. He just chose to interact with people.
0: So when you say he had to be in permanent care, is that at your place? Uh,
1: We thought about trying to get the permit to keep him permanently. Mm -hmm. But the logistics behind it, mostly I couldn't afford to build him in the enclosure he deserved.
0: So where is he now? He is
1: at a a private sanctuary out in the Buffalo area.
0: Oh, my goodness. Do you ever go visit him?
1: (laughs) uh, We took him out there about a year ago. And I follow their page. I've got some videos. I actually know a couple of the people that run the place. I see them periodically. Um, I haven't been back to visit. Uh, We don't place very much. We did place some coyotes about three years ago. And we've talked about going back to see them. And I don't know whose heart would be broken more. Mine or theirs. Mm. So I see pictures of them. And they've grown up to be beautiful ladies. But I don't know if I want to see them. Yeah. you know because it was really hard to put them in there and the place say that the coyotes went is wonderful place i wish i lived there
0: so the this was also coyotes who had been as you say imprinted with yes human? uh
1: the the four uh, we called them the four princesses uh they were they came from in the central part of the state and their mother was actually executed on a nuisance permit and when the shooter went up to make sure that it was a clean kill, which is being responsible. Uh, the belly was moving. He, The trauma forced labor. She had seven puppies.
0: Oh, my gosh. So this he, he, man he, had a permit to kill the coyote, and it was and, a mother. And, and
1: he delivered him C-section in the field.
0: Oh, my goodness. And Rather than
1: either let her go and be a mom or let them go with her, he created seven orphans. Pulled them out. By the time we got them they they made it to a rehabber out in the central part of the state, and who didn't really have the the learning curve with coyotes is really steep.
0: Why? Why is that?
1: It just they're a difficult, especially a neonate, eyes closed, C-section yeah. delivery. He just didn't. He was losing them. Uh, he had lost three. The other four were transferred over to us. They had some respiratory issues. They had some GI issues. Um, but we got them back on track and they, when, when we took them down and to their permanent home, they were beautiful ladies. I mean, they, so
0: they were all females. All so that's females. why you're calling them yep. you princesses. Yep. Four
1: princesses. Yep. <laughs> and
0: they had been raised by humans. So yeah. They, they had weren't... never
1: known anything else. They yeah. had never even smelled their mother because they were still inside of her when she died.
0: Oh my So, God. you know. And now where are they?
1: They're in a private sanctuary down in Pennsylvania they they were taken in down there and we we had a, a bit of a debacle with the state there's a lot of backstory issues that they won't go into but we had a little problems with the state and they really forced our hand on it they gave us 16 days to to place four large carnivores into permanent care and i am so proud of my friend randolph and his friend alicia they burned up their cell phones. They called everywhere between here and San Diego, trying to find them a home. Uh,
0: because the state's viewpoint is they're well, the, the to the sta- wild? The
1: state said you have 16 days to place them or we'll have them euthanized. Period. 16 days. It's two weeks. Uh, so I had a real problem with that. But Randolph and his friend Alicia, they burned up their cell phones. They found a home for them. You know, and it was that was probably one of the hardest trips we've made. We we don't place much into care; most of our stuff gets released. But taking the girls down was just really hard.
0: Yeah, I can and, see it in your you know, face. Did you name them? Were they? Uh,
1: I had named two of them. Uh, originally, we were going to try to keep two for educational ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I named the big blonde Anna. After Anna Nicole Smith, because she was a big blonde, and I had a very large blonde. And the other one I named Hetty after Hetty Lamar, because she was really smart. Oh. So.
0: so tell me what went wrong with that plan, that you were planning on using them for educational purposes, but the state wouldn't allow that?
1: Not in the least. I was told no way, shape, or form. They would fight me in every corner.
0: But they allow... You, you you were saying you visit the Altamont fair and other places oh with birds the the and... educational
1: birds fall are federal
0: oh i see, see but that the coyotes would have would have come
1: through the state and this representative of the states in no way shape or form would he back the the permit
0: well isn't that interesting so
1: maybe... e- e- even though that Coyotes are are very prevalent through the area. Yeah. Uh, whether urban, suburbia, rural.
0: Yeah, I wrote uh, about it. The more yeah. people try, and there have been all kinds of projects trying to exterminate them. They're just a resilient yep. population, and yep. they end up spreading at, further and yep. becoming and more exactly prevalent.
1: I mean, I've even had I even had a call from animal control with, for a coyote that was sleeping under a dumpster at the Stewarts. On Henry Johnson Boulevard.
0: No. <laughs> and
1: I told the lady Northern how to get him City. out from under there. And she, no, 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 you have to come and get him. And he, no, 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 he lives there. No, he doesn't. It was like, uh, he didn't take the bus down there, okay? It may not be the best neighborhood for him to live in, but that's where he chooses to live. Leave him alone. You know, if, if Stewart's wants him out from under the dumpster, here's what you got to do. But, yeah, she didn't want to hear that. You know, but when the Ncon went down, officer went down and and I know most of the officers or know somebody who does know them. He did exactly what I had told her to do it, it, almost like he read it off the same page you mm-hmm. know he, he opened the fence up, he got rid of the people, opened the fence in a little corral up, and mucked around the back, made some noise. Coyote ran out and ran down the street, went somewhere else, and that's all Stewarts wanted. they just wanted to use their dumpster without getting dog bit, yeah.
0: Well, so do you have any theories on why it is some species like coyotes are reviled where others like bobcats seem to be admired? I mean, the cultural forces there?
1: Um, I think a lot of it comes through our heritage. Uh, Over the eons that, you know, we've interacted with wildlife, you know, there's been bad experiences with wolves. You know, somebody somewhere got wolf bit or wolf at, you know, and same thing with coyotes; they're kind of a scavenger and they're a little sneaky by nature, and they don't come when you call them, and things like, like your domestic dog does. And so pe- and we
0: have icons like Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and people, you know, people take that, and you know, they're like, "Oh, you know, the coyote ate my cat." Well, honestly, if a cat's disappearing in a neighborhood, it's probably not the coyotes; it's probably an owl believe it or not. Um, I've read a lot of things, and and they've studied coyote poop, and less than 2% of their diet is feline, and they don't know if that's predation or just scavenging a dead cat in the road because they'll eat anything.
0: Um, I love the way they sound. We have them... I live under the escarpment, and it almost sounds like they're at a cocktail party sometimes. (laughs) Not the independent howling, but, like, everybody doing it at once. Do you know what that's all about?
1: Uh, They're just communicating. Where where are you? Hey, what's going on? Things like that. Everything means something different, the yelps, the yips and stuff. But it's just communicating through the family because most of the um, packs, local packs, are family units. There's an alpha set, which is mom and dad. There's, you know sibling or children older children and then younger children and the, as the children get older just like with us they wander off and they make their own lives
0: so what keeps you and your wife at this it sounds like a tremendous oh, yeah. amount of volunteer time and that's effort a,
1: that's and a good question if you come up with an training. answer let me know because <laughs> well I, <laughs> it, it's it's can be very taxing some days and it can be very depressing some days, but it can be very rewarding some days. If you go on our Facebook page, we did releases last Saturday when it was nice to watch a bird that you've nursed back to health go free. To uh, we, we let Mr. Skunkle go. He came in with a broken ankle. Who was that? Uh, Mr. Skunkle. Oh,
0: it was a skunk?
1: Yeah, yeah. He had come in in the fall with a broken ankle. He had been hit by car. His first two weeks with us, he laid on his side, and I syringe-fed him egg and Pedialyte and his medication, and that's about all he could muster. And But as he got better and better, he started to get upright, and then he would eat by himself, then he would move around a little bit. And as he got better with that, I moved him to a bigger enclosure so he could exercise more and get around. And he went free Saturday. So, you know, that really kind of is, is a high point of it you know so that that helps um we both really love animals and like that um like you said i've the picture i sent you in your email that's not the best one.
0: Oh my gosh i've, I've got to,
1: <laughs> i've got a lot of pictures and that's that was just a random picture i picked out so i mean that's not i'm a photographer i so well I, just to see know.
0: a cat up close like that and he's looking right at you with his mouth open his teeth showing yeah and i mean he looks like a wild creature and yeah. how you get get a shot like that is it's yeah. a rare
1: so you know that that helps a lot it, it's a high point for me um you know i have a lot of face time with a lot of things and it is like I said, it is quite rewarding some days. I mean, it's it's definitely an emotional roller coaster, but, I mean, the, the highs are well worth it.
0: And it's nice you're in it together because you have somebody else that knows exactly yes. how you're feeling and what you're doing. Yes,
1: as we have people that we get a lot of people that show some interest, you know, well, how do I get involved in this and that? I want to volunteer. The very first thing I tell them, because it, it is a priority, pr- Primarily a female group of oh, rehabbers. It, it's about 85% women. So it, the in,
0: nurturing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I always tell them, I said, make sure your significant other is on board because the phone is going to ring at the worst times. First dinner plate hits the table, phone's going to ring. You know, you're on your way out the door to go to the movies, the phone's going to ring. A decision's going to be made. Do we go to the movies or do we go pick up this animal? You know your life is going to be affected. Their life is going to be affected. They don't have to be involved, but make sure they're on board with what you're doing. And believe it or not, we've had some people where their significant others like, no, and and they don't follow through. But for domestic harmony, you really got to be both like kind of on the same page with it.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So. Well, our time has gone so fast. Do you have any closing thoughts, things that we haven't touched on? I think Um, we could probably talk for another hour. You've got such a deep heart for these animals.
1: All right. Well, um, a couple of things. One, if everybody would like to follow our page, it's Outpost for Wildlife Rehabilitation Services. We're on Facebook. Uh, We are local right here in the area. We uh, do have some events coming up that you guys can come out and see the birds. Uh, on the 13th of April, we were over, were over in East Greenbush at the Town Park. On the 27th of April, we're right down the road here at Glade Farms.
0: Gade Farms. Yeah, Gade Farms. I mean uh,
1: we're doing an event in conjunction with uh, Gilderhaven. Uh, they're the... Charity Du Jour, I guess, is the way to... They're, they're <laughs> ha, it's Green's a Green's group that are, yeah, it's, um, help it's, animals, yeah, both
0: wild and domestic. Yeah, yeah.
1: so um, we're helping Sue out with that because our birds can hold, draw and hold a crowd. Uh, we're up in Washington County on the 18th, and I believe we're at the Viaport on the 25th of May.
0: You're busy.
1: Oh, it's just going to crank up.
0: So that whole other aspect we haven't even touched on, but it must have to do with outreach in terms of letting people know you exist, but also fundraising, I would guess. Yeah.
1: Uh, And we get out, we let people see the birds, get some pictures, because when you start to take an interest, then you start to get involved. And when you start to get involved, then you can make a difference. And sometimes getting That's inv-
0: true with almost everything.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes getting involved is just making a donation. Sometimes it goes past that. You know, we always get people that, you know, I'd like to volunteer. I'd like to volunteer. Uh, I'd like to touch on that. Uh, we do take volunteers periodically. However, with our work with raccoons, it makes it very difficult to bring people on site. Because, because of the of, potential
0: for rabies? Yes,
1: and the state rules involved in... in their care uh but we do use transporters we do need always need event staff we know other rehabbers that need help uh if it's something that you know you're thinking wow that sounds really kind of cool please look into it the world needs more rehabbers uh our phone will we're coming into baby season right now we got our first little fox in last week Tell um, us
0: just, that, that'll that be our closing thought. I don't okay. know why, but I just get so thrilled whenever I see a fox.
1: Uh, just... th- this little fox was found by a young gentleman as he got off the school bus. Uh, it was laying out in the middle of their backyard. Or her eyes were still closed. A baby? A baby, oh yeah. I'll, I'll show you the picture. Uh, but yeah, a little baby fox. Her eyes were still closed. The child picked it up, put it in a box. Mom got home about an hour and a half later. Yeah, we need to call somebody. So uh, <laughs> she called somebody, and we made arrangements to have it picked up and brought into care. Uh, actually, my friend Jean has got it right now because she's home all day. He eats about six times a day. I talked to Jean today. She he said that he's up to about 525 grams, which he's almost doubled his body weight in a week, oh, and, right. and his eyes are open Monday.
0: Oh, wow. So, and so he can see the world.
1: Uh, probably a little fuzzy for him right now, but they're <laughs> open. So he's on track. He's growing. He's, and our last year, I believe, we did eight reds, three grays. So he'll have friends pretty soon.
0: Well, so. thank you so much, Eric Brown.
1: You're welcome. And, thank, and happy thanks, baby season. <laughs> thanks. And thanks for having me.